Welcome to the Wheel of Sport, home of the greatest sports stories ever told. My name's Ian McNally and with me is... Matt Lavery, Matt Lavery. Good morning, Ian. <laughs> yes, good evening, Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> Good evening, Matthew. Scotland, Melbourne, <laughs> Let me get this wheel spinning. We'll get the wheel spinning. And I haven't heard the phrase, good evening, Matthew. It's probably since Stars in Their Eyes on ITV back in yeah. the 90s. So anyway, uh, tonight, Matthew, we're going to be... The topic for this episode is... And thanks for holding up the wheel, Matt, so I can see on uh, the, via the internet that it's True Grit. True Grit. I've not had one of these in a while. It feels good to uh, call the topic out. It hasn't, hasn't happened for a while. Uh, true grit. Uh, Matt, this is an amazing story, but I'm going to start it off with a bit of, I don't know if anger is the right word, frustration. Oh dear. I feel like I've been duped, Matt, because you you're a sports fan. I'm a sports fan, have been for a long time. We do a sports history podcast. So it's fair to say that we've been exposed to a lot of sport. We know a fair amount about sport. We're not experts, but we know enough about lots of things. Okay. When I started researching this story, I was researching something else. And this name cropped up. And as soon as I started researching this name, I was... Firstly, I was embarrassed that I'd never heard of this person. And then the anger set in because I thought, is it really my fault that I haven't heard of this name? And I'll tell you the story of this, but have you ever heard of Wilma Rudolph? No. So we should both be angry (laughs) because, (laughs) because, like, I'll tell you her story, Matt. Wilma Rudolph, she's... She's born in 1940. She's a premature baby. Not only that, Matt, she's the 20th baby of 22. Wow. That's a a big family. It is. You know, if you're 20th in the queue in the post office of 22, like that feels like a long wait feels like a lot of people. The father fathered 22 babies to two wives. Okay? Goodness me. So he, he could he could have a, he could have a, a football match. <laughs> yeah. He could have two football teams. <laughs> I think he might have just elected to have four or five aside teams so he could play a tournament. You know? <laughs> Switch goalkeepers. So... 20 she's 20th of 22 kids uh as you can imagine matt it wasn't the most pleasant existence uh she's a black woman growing up in tennessee during the era of segregation enforced mandated segregation between black and white the family isn't wealthy the you know they're struggling to get by and obviously segregation it has the the consequence of segregation is education opportunities aren't what they should be. Health isn't what it should be. And she falls victim as a young child to many different illnesses, chickenpox, measles, mumps. She gets pneumonia twice. She gets scarlet fever. And at the age of six, she gets polio. 
this isn't the best start to life, as you can imagine. The polio causes her to lose use of her left leg. And it means that she can never walk again. The doctor says your daughter will never walk again. So she gets a leg brace on that left leg and her siblings thankfully this is where many siblings come in useful Matt, because she needs that leg massaging every night to keep mm. the life in it yeah so every day siblings take it in turns to take the brace off and massage that leg and her siblings as well she she doesn't obviously like wearing this brace because it means that you miss out on your childhood of so many things in your childhood that you you know you'd miss out on in such a you know a uh, physical environment as you can imagine it would be with all those uh, siblings around and so they kind of she can take the brace off now and again and her siblings will keep watch to make sure no uh, authority figures from the family come and <laughs> catch her but she has to also go to these weekly specialist appointments but they're right across town because the local hospital in Clarksville is white only her mother has to drive her uh, over almost a hundred mile round trip every week to see the specialist because her local hospital is white only so you can see all of these opportunities that are closed off to this young girl who's been born into this family of 22 kids i just it's so amazing that i'm gonna say that as many times as i can because 22 kids you you start running out of names don't you You just just, just, i mean it's just it's it's a big family (laughs) so what happens with wilma rudolph is that when she gets to the age of 11 she gets the brace off she's able to start walking and she starts getting strength in that leg when she's in high school she starts to run but her passion is basketball she plays a lot of of basketball at home she goes on in school to become so good at basketball that in one game she scores 49 points which creates a new state record which is quite amazing isn't it to go from you'll never walk again to breaking a state record as a teenager is amazing yeah that's incredible basketball was just kind of the the start of it when she started this sporting life ed temple who was a coach at tennessee state university ed temple saw her and wanted her in his team. Now his team at the Tennessee State University was known as the Tiger Bells. We'll talk a little bit more about them later, but it's all female, all black uh team from Tennessee State University. And at the age of sixteen, Matt, now she only got that brace off age eleven. Okay. Age sixteen, she's on the track in Melbourne. Australia at the 1956 Olympic Games. What? (laughs) (laughs) That's quite the turnaround. (laughs) You'll never walk again, the doctor said. (laughs) She's embraced to 11. (laughs) 
and then five years later she's in the olympics that is the most unbelievable i told you i'd walk so she's on the blocks at the 1956 olympics at the mcg in melbourne age 16 she wins a bronze medal at the 4x100 relay. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Two years later, she has her first child, age 18. Not the child, she was 18. She yeah. didn't have a man, a man baby, <laughs> like an adult baby. Um, and in 1960... Four years later, after the Olympics in Melbourne, she goes to the Stadio Olympia in Rome and she's qualified for the Olympic Games in 1960 in Rome. That's just, I just don't understand. So how how does she go from not being, a, you know, wearing a brace to being in the Olympics? Like It's extraordinary, isn't it? I mean, she obviously had a great support team around her and innate determination and perhaps some of that might have been born out of the fact that she felt that she'd missed out you know as a as a child that she'd missed out i don't know where the physical capability comes in because it seems to defy logic that you would go from having a redundant left leg to being an olympian within five years but i suppose it's a per almost a perfect time of life you know when your body's growing at such a rate and you're getting stronger anyway through puberty and the like so but amazing that she had a child then she's qualified for rome olympics in the rome olympics man like she's had a child two years earlier which probably would have taken a bite out of her training regime and, and all that type of thing and obviously late nights with a with a young child and the demands of a of a young mother but here she is on the blocks in rome She's qualified for the 100 metres, the 200 metres, and the 4x100 metre relay. Great. <laughs> At this stage, I don't... I don't I I'm maxed out with surprise. She told me she got to the Olympics after not, you know, not right. being told she could walk. Right. Can we just revisit how this podcast started with anger that I had not heard of this woman before ever? Mm-hmm. And... I'm hoping that you're getting progressively angry through this episode because we should have heard of this woman. It's an absolute travesty that we haven't heard and we haven't even heard half of her accomplishment yet. In Rome, Matt, she runs the 100 metres. In the semi-final of the 100 metre qualification, she ties the world record 11.3 seconds. She goes on to the final runs 11 seconds which doesn't count as a world record because the wind speed was slightly over the two meters per second but 11 seconds for the 100 meters takes out gold in the 100 meter sprint she runs the 200 meters in the first round of qualification she breaks the world record 23.2 seconds she goes on to win gold at the 200 meters she then joins her teammates from Tennessee State University, the Tiger Bells, and their coach, who has been selected to be the Olympic coach for the females athletics team 
He's in the crowd. Ed Temple, who you mentioned before, they run the 4x100 relay. In the first round, they break the world record, 44.4 seconds. They go on to the final, win the final with a time of 44.5 seconds. Remarkably consistent. This is on a cinder track as well. This is not on a solid track. When you re-watch it, you can see the dirt kick up as they're running. So that would have probably taken you know a few fractions of a second perhaps off the speed. But these women are remarkable. And Wilma Rudolph, I mean, how she's she she's gone from not being able to being told that she couldn't walk to she's the first ever female athlete in America to win three golds at Olympic Games. Wow. That's, so that's she's incredible. A, she's an absolute history maker. That Rome Olympics, she becomes not only a, a hero in the US, but she becomes a hero and much loved in Italy and across Europe and across the world. She's got a really interesting running style where she kind of leans forward with her shoulders. One thing that really struck me watching her run was her cadence, the the speed in which she moves her legs just seems to be quicker than that of any other runner. She seems to take more steps uh, in a short distance than anyone else. She's so light-footed, and she doesn't seem to be picking her knees up particularly high, but almost gliding across the the ground. It's It's quite extraordinary to watch. This is all in the context of her becoming a darling of the Olympics, but all in the context of the fact that when she goes back home, She's a second-class citizen. She's living in a segregated state. In fact, the guy uh, who is leading her state got voted in because he's a committed segregationist. He picks up the phone, gets through to her in Rome and says, Wilma, we're going to have a Wilma Rudolph day when you get back to Clarksville, Tennessee. We're going to put on a big show for you. You'll be the, obviously, parade through the town. It'll be fantastic. We'll have a dinner or a banquet, the town hall, all for you. And she refuses because it would have been a segregated event. And so she said, I'll do it as long as there's no segregation. And such was her influence that Clarksville, Tennessee, the first ever integrated event in the state's history was the Wilma Rudolph Day when she returned back from the Rome Olympics. That's fantastic. Isn't that amazing? That is brilliant. What an achievement. This is the first time in their history that they had black and white citizens in the crowd, together, no segregation. They have a dinner where there's no segregation. And it gave an opportunity for some of the the influential people in Clarksville as well to open up about their feelings about uh, segregation, the civil rights movements as well. There was a county judge who was at the dinner called William Hudson. 
he made quite an emotional speech and he prefaced it with saying that he hopes that he can get through the speech without tearing up and getting too emotional. One of the things that he said is if you want to get good music out of the piano, you have to play with both black and white keys. It seems that Wilma had had such a huge effect on her hometown in 1960, obviously, people were thinking, well, what is going to happen in 1964, 1968, maybe 1972? Because she's still very young, relatively. But by 1962, she'd retired. She ended up being married twice. She had three more kids. Uh, she used to spend some of her time joining protests in Tennessee. There was one protest uh, she joined a couple of times, which was against the chain of restaurants uh, locally who enforce segregation. And uh, she made news around the whole country because she went on the protest and tried to get in this restaurant and was refused service. And she said, you know, you were out on the street celebrating for me in 1960 and it's 1963 and I can't eat in your restaurant. And it made news across America. So it's quite amazing the impact she had, but also the fact that she's yeah, got the profile, but she could have just used that profile for other things. But being on the front line of uh, protests and marches and things was, was quite impressive. And then by 1963, Clarksville becomes integrated. So they actually start... Uh, repealing the segregation and start opening up and you can't help thinking obviously it wasn't just Wilma uh, Rudolph who had that effect but certainly a big knock on the door uh, to make that happen in Clarksville by 1977 she wrote her autobiography and in the same year NBC made a movie of her life and they called it Wilma Presumably because she was a fan of the Flintstones. But um, a curious thing, Matt, about that film, it was the first big break for a black actor, Denzel Washington. Wow. It was his first ever part. He didn't play Wilma. No. <laughs> that would have been a demanding role and inappropriate. <laughs> That's, uh... <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I've never even heard of this story. I th- should we not be angry? I I kind of feel angry because I think I think there's reason, obvious reasons why we might not have heard this story or why why this um, athlete isn't as celebrated as uh, she should be. But the same with um, her coach Ed Temple, who's a black guy. You know Tennessee State University, who we mentioned before, he trained. 40 athletes who went on to qualify for the Olympics and ran in the Olympics. 40. <laughs> yeah. So he's good. The guy can coach. From a state university. Like, in Tennessee, 40 Olympians, 23 medals oh. from those 40. And what is quite curious as well is that all of those olympians like wilma rudolph got a scholarship because of her athletic ability 
and she went to Tennessee State University, obviously went on to the Olympics. But what's interesting is Wilma Rudolph, she got that scholarship and she graduated. All of those 40 Olympians who Ed Temple trained and coached, they all graduated from university, not one dropout, which is quite amazing. And 32 of them, went on to receive masters and eight of them got doctorates <laughs> that's remarkable yeah and in a you know we mentioned at the start that this was a a place of very limited opportunity it doesn't sound like it <laughs> yeah i know well when you when you um look at the anecdotal evidence or you probably empirical evidence as well of when they stopped segregation and the first black students went into white white schools, that they noticed how markedly different the facilities were, how much better the facilities were, well-funded the facilities were in the white schools uh, and what they'd been used to in the previous black schools. So you see this is a, a whole, and obviously the poverty cycle and all of those things that play into this, this is quite an extraordinary story with very extraordinary people like Ed Temple, Wilma Rudolph. I mean, going from being a very sickly child, not being able to walk, to being the first US woman to win three golds at an Olympics, and even going on to graduate from university, getting married twice, having four kids, breaking world records, and inspiring a town to have their first ever integrated event uh sadly matt um wilma died in 1994 she was only aged 54 her inspiration certainly runs right through female athletics in the u.s certainly and and maybe those people who have heard of the story i think uh it will run through them internationally as well if only they knew if only we knew what we do now we do now that's that's fantastic you just can't. You just can't imagine that. Yeah, if you know, as a child, if you were so sick, you know, you're told you probably can't walk again. That you would then go on to break a world record and win three golds. I mean, that's that's a seriously decorated Olympian, and not not to mention the bronze that she picked up in Melbourne as well. You would adjust your aspirations, wouldn't you, if you were wearing a leg brace at eleven? You would think, well, yeah, maybe maybe I'm not going to be able to play for Liverpool, but. Maybe Everton, I could still give it a go, but, you know. <laughs> that, is, that is unreal, isn't it? Fantastic. So that's the story, Matt. Wilma Rudolph, extraordinary inspiration. And Ed Temple, we probably could do a whole episode on Ed, Ed Temple as well in future, um, but we'll keep that in the, uh, in the bottom drawer for the moment. But w- what an inspiration. And we'll end on this as one of the things that Wilma said that, which she attributes some of her success in Rome to is the fact that Ed Temple was her coach at the Olympic coach and that he would stay with her all the way up to when you had to go through the tunnel and he would always sit in the same spot in the stadium so that she could see him as she was down in the blocks and getting ready and she said that's all I needed. He must have played a very pivotal role in many of these young people's lives to not only 
um, look after them so well, but also to make sure that they concentrated on the studies and that I think he was quoted as saying that athletics can open the doors, but your education keeps them open. I love that. Yeah, quite a symbolic idea from obviously a very inspirational man. But there we go, Wilma Rudolph. Absolutely true. Great. That is fantastic, Ian. Thank you very much for sharing that story with us. Uh, certainly a new one for me, but brilliant for it. Uh, and thank you very much, listener, uh, for, for tuning in once again to the greatest sports stories ever told on the Wheel of Sport. Uh, get in touch with the show and leave us a review. You can uh, reach out to us uh, on uh, via email at thewheelofsportgmail.com or on Instagram or Twitter at The Wheel of Sport. Thanks, Matt. I'm off to uh, see if it's possible for me to get, have 22 kids. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's all. Yeah, that's an incredible part of the story as well. <laughs> Just a lot of admin, that. But anyway, Amazing. take care. Thank we'll you, see now. you next time. Bye bye.